0: Welcome to the Museum of Femininity, a podcast where I, Charlotte Appleyard, discuss random topics of interest that relate to social history, art and material culture through a female lens. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. Today I hope you will join me in learning about the life of an iconic but I feel little understood female figure from British history and that is Boudicca sometimes referred to as Bodicea, but I will be calling her Boudicca today. So my knowledge of this figure consists of an image of an impressive, statuesque woman with flowing red hair. This has been formed, I think, by media and art, especially the grand bronze statue of Boudicca and her daughters, that has sat at Westminster Bridge in London since 1902. It is images like this that help to create her strong identity. I also think it's interesting that although few people would even be able to tell you when she lived or what part of England she was Queen over, they still would have heard of her. And that is because she is incredibly prominent in our collective national psyche. I think the first time I heard her name was when Dawn French's unconventional vicar, Geraldine Granger, revealed her middle name was Boudicca in a memorable episode of The Vicar of Dibley, which is a well known UK sitcom. She was embarrassed by the auspicious nature of her name, which is dripping in a sort of domineering Amazonian symbolism. So this is a rare episode where we are exploring a woman in history who is perhaps known by many people, but I expect the true nature of her life remains shrouded in mystery. I hope we all learned something interesting about Boudicca and perhaps we could also explore her role in culture beyond her lifetime as well. Boudicca was the queen of the Iceni people of Eastern England and led a massive uprising against the Roman forces. She has become a symbol of female anger due to the treatment of herself herself and her daughters which is seen as being an event that triggered her act of bloodthirsty revenge this is a tale rooted in ancient history and it is difficult to know exactly what happened and there is an element of mythology about it the contemporary sources come from roman historians publius cornelius tacitus who was born 56 to 117 CE and Cassius Dio, who was from 150 to 235 CE, which we will be referring to. However, both accounts are quite different, which highlights the precariousness when pinning down these events. Cassius Dio described Boudicca. As quote very tall and terrifying in appearance, with tawny hair hanging down below her waist, a harsh voice and a piercing glare. He also writes that she wore large gold necklaces, perhaps a torque, which is a sort of thick, hard gold necklace that was almost like a giant bangle that would go around your neck. And it would have an opening in the middle. And she would also have worn colourful chinex fastened by a brooch. This striking visual has lived on throughout the centuries and is how she is remembered and depicted in paintings and sculptures. I also want to just quickly highlight that a lot of the language around Boudicca draws upon masculinity I would say and I think that's quite interesting that they depict her as being unfeminine to sort of justify her leadership qualities. I think that's a very interesting aspect about the way Boudicca is often depicted and written about. So Boudicca was born in Roman Britain an era of history which spanned many hundreds of years. Roman rule started when Britain was invaded by Julius Caesar in 55-54 CE and was just one of many conquered lands that fell under the great sprawling power of Rome. Despite the bloodiness of British defeat, for almost a century the people continued to live under Roman rule soothed by gifts of diplomacy. However, there were some who disliked this arrangement, and soon anti-Roman rulers began rising to power. Emperor Claudius called for a full-on invasion in the hope of reinstating some of their former glory and control. It was these events that led into Boudicca's story and the impact she would leave on the land. Boudicca was married to Prasutagus, who ruled the Iceni people of East Anglia. When the Romans conquered part of England in 43 CE, they allowed him to continue to rule, and they had a mutually beneficial and peaceful relationship. Prasutagus actually declared the Emperor Nero a co-heir to his vast fortune – along with his daughters, who unfortunately don't seem to have names in ancient sources. However, following his death, Roman rulers stepped in, wishing to rule the Iceni directly and take the property of the local tribesmen. In Tacitus' accounts, he outlined the humiliation faced by these people, quote, Kingdom and household alike were plundered like prizes of war. The one by Roman officers, the other by Roman slaves. The Icenian chiefs were deprived of their hereditary estates as if the Romans had been given the whole country. The king's own relatives were treated like slaves and the humiliated Iceni feared still worse. Now that they... Been reduced to provincial status, so they rebelled. It is also believed that during this time they stripped and flogged Boudicca when she protested these plans. More egregious, however, are the accounts of Boudicca's daughters being raped by Roman soldiers. Such a terrible act naturally caused widespread hatred of Roman rule. Among the Icenian people. However, I must also stress that this event is not written about by some sources of the time, so even this pivotal moment is questioned. In around 61 CE, while the governor Gaius Soutanius Paulinus was leading a campaign in North Wales, the Iceni rebelled. Along with other tribesmen, Boudica and her army defeated the Roman Ninth Legion and destroyed the capital of Roman Britain, which at the time was in Colchester. They continued on their path of destruction, entering London and Verulamium, now St. Albans. This led to the deaths of thousands. In each place, their huge army sacked and destroyed the cities and murdered everyone, showing little mercy for women and children. And Boudicca was there for the entire time and she was probably riding on a chariot and fighting with the rest of them. She was a warrior queen who led the charge. And this all came to a head at the Battle of Watling Street during the sacking of Verulamium Paulinus a Roman general chose quote, a position in a defile which with a wood behind him there could be no enemy he knew except at his front where there was open country without cover for ambushes so that account comes from Tacitus. There he waited for Boudicca's army to arrive, which had reached an astonishing size. They were also confident, bringing their wives along to witness their victory, installing carts along the edge of the battlefield so they could watch the action unfold. The two leaders stirred up their troops, rousing and inspiring them before battle. Then Suetonius gave the signal and the infantry moved forward, throwing their javelins. Boudicca's huge army was at a disadvantage in the narrow field. The masses of men pushed together, making them an easy target for the Roman forces. The Britons fell back against the assault and fled. A massacre then ensued. Tacitus writes, quote, The remaining Britons fled with difficulty since their rings of wagons blocked the outlets. The Romans did not spare even the women. Baggage, animals too, transfixed with weapons, added to the heaps of of the dead. Boudicca and her daughters apparently managed to escape, but soon after poisoned themselves to escape capture. Following Boudicca's defeat, there were other smaller revolts, but none gained as much support or led as much to as much bloodshed. The Romans continued to hold Britain until 410 CE, when they withdrew from the country. Although today Boudicca is a legend, it took many centuries for her story to be rediscovered, and it was not until the Renaissance era, so in the 1500s, where Tacitus's writings were first discovered and republished, that the story came to light again. It is also no coincidence that this happened during the rule of Elizabeth I, while Britain fought against Spain during the Spanish Armada. How could people not draw comparisons between both of these rulers? Attitudes to Boudicca, have varied over the years and has changed depending on the historic context of the time. For instance, the Thornycroft statue at Westminster Bridge was created at a time of British Empire, when interest in her story was very strong. In this context, she was probably viewed as a powerful symbol of British might, as well as this, her name translates to victory, drawing parallels with Queen Victoria, as previously people had drawn parallels between her and Queen Elizabeth I. In a sense, maybe this is trying to highlight the conquering might of Britain, even though ultimately Boudicca was unsuccessful. I think for many, they remember her triumphs against the mighty forces of the Roman Empire, instead of her ultimate defeat. It is ironic, however, as, of course, the British were oppressive, conquering forces like the Romans, whose empire in the 19th century dwarfed that of the Roman Empire in the past. Despite this, she was completely embraced and appeared in novels, history books and poems, including one by the poet laureate Alfred Lord Tennyson, I will read you the first stanza because I think it demonstrates how even early on Boudicca's fearsome characteristics were highlighted. While about the shore of Mona, those Neronian legionaries burnt and broke the grave and altar of the Druids and Druidess, far in the east, Boadicea standing loftily charioted, mad and maddening. All that heard her in her fierce volubility, girt by half the tribes of Britain near the colony Camulodune, yelled and shrieked between her daughters o'er a wild confederacy. As well as in poetry, she also appeared in paintings that were reproduced as prints, including an earlier example by John Opie completed in 1793. Here we see Boudicca, tall and poised, her distressed daughters clutching her side as she rallies up the Britons to fight. Later, Boudicca was adopted by the women's suffrage movement. A banner was designed by Mary Lowndes in in 1908 that depicted the warrior queen's name along with the image of a will to represent her iconic chariot. It was designed as a part of a famous woman series, miscarried by the NUWSS procession. Boudicca's ferocity would have appealed to suffragettes, particularly those who were militant and often resorted to violent tactics, in order to be seen. So perhaps Boudicca's fearlessness and strength was a large influence for many women fighting for the vote at this time. I think it is her feminist interpretation that perhaps most resonates today as a woman who fought against her oppressors despite the limitations of her gender, which was a major point of shame for the Romans. Cassius Dio said in his writings, quote, 80,000 of the Romans and of their allies perished, and the island was lost to Rome. Moreover, all this ruin was brought upon the Romans by a woman, a fact which in itself caused them the greatest shame, End quote. So in conclusion, Boudicca is a fascinating figure in history. She was a warrior queen who, despite suffering a terrible attack, on her and her family, led an enormous army into battle in order to fight the oppressive Roman forces who had pillaged their lands. What followed was the subsequent victories, but also mass death and destruction at her hands, making her a somewhat morally grey figure. The fact Boudicca was a woman caused much discomfort for the Romans, who swiftly quelled her army in a spectacular defeat – the final fate of Boudica is not known. Boudicca's story, although many, as I have said, thought she was poisoned, that is not a verifiable fact. And we have to remember Boudicca's story was told by male historians who helped to build this fearsome image of her and her overall narrative. Much of this story cannot be proven and as a result, Boudicca remains an elusive figure. However, the simple, proven fact about her remarkable life are so potent and powerful, they have taken on a life of their own, creating a legend. It is perhaps Boudicca's legacy that is most interesting, how it has been shaped by the values of the times, morphing from patriotic symbol of British strength to the embodiment of female rage and power, the perfect image to help bolster feminist ideals. So I hope you enjoyed today's mini episode. I will have all of my sources in the show notes and images on Instagram, which you can follow at the Museum of Femininity. I have taken, yes, another break. I had COVID and, you know, it took ages for me to get over it. But I'm back now and I think the next episode in a few weeks will be me wrapping up the marriage series with marriage in the Victorian age. So I hope you join me for that and I also hope you have Lovely day, whatever you may be doing, and I will see you then. Bye.